morning. Welcome to Barnes Sunday Morning Services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Explore your faith hour. Thank you so much for being with me. You can get involved. You can call in or, or email us with the inf- information on the screen there. And happy Memorial Day. Hi, everybody. Hello. Happy Memorial Day. Isn't that something? This is Memorial Day. <laughs> you know, I turned, I had a birthday this week, and I want to just say thanks to everybody that showed your, your, your kindness toward me. I appreciate it. Birthday cards and phone calls and all kind of stuff. And I, I absolutely appreciate it. I turned 65. That's old, huh? And I was thinking now I could get Medicare, <laughs> Social Security, my little Social Security check. Uh, I could get free housing. I think we owe. I could get, and then Mary gonna sell me some Medicare. Oh, it's not a sale, it's a setup. Uh, also, I could go to a movie theater now and get in cheap. Oh, you can't when you see a certain thing? Can I get one of those little blue things to hang in the window of the car? Oh, <laughs> I can uh, go over to Subway and get a discount. Yeah, McDonald's and uh, Crazy Chicken. You can ask for a discount. A lot of times they don't believe me. I have to show an ID, but I I can still get it. Oh, they're not. Oh, then uh, where's the mic for Mary? No mites out here today? Oh. There are no mites at all. Oh, oh, no, 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 not you, Paul. Oh, <laughs> Lord, the mite man in there eating. One thing about blacks and Mexicans, <laughs> they won't show up. No. Sorry, Gabriel. <laughs> um, show up. Oh, they do? Late. Late. No, Late. Uh, uh, that's what is free. Those are the hardest stickers uh, we have here in uh, California. Um, you know, you're not on the mic. Hold on, guys. Let me just finish this. And I was thinking this morning I wanted to play with the old people now, but I can't find any. Where are the old people? Asleep. No, I don't see old people around anywhere. Tell me when the last time you seen a group of old people in one place. McDonald's, five in the morning. McDonald's? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see one or two. <laughs> you see, oh, go to the mic right here. Who's holding the mic on this side? I gave it to Paul because you said you could uh, speak it right away. Paul, go over there. I want to see what my friend has to say about old people. The little kid in the middle. Do you see old people around? Um. Yeah, my grandma. Oh, <laughs> Oh, she didn't want that on camera. I mean, on the... <laughs> All right. But I realized the old people are locked away in the old people's home. We kind of hide the old people away. Have you noticed that? Because when I was growing up, old people were at church. Everywhere you went, you had the elderly. And I think it's good to have the elderly around because they're wise and they remind us. And, and it's nice to have them around, but we kind of stack them away in in the uh, convalescent homes and things like that. Have you know, am I wrong about that? 
No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to be stacked away. <laughs> I'm never going to be stacked away. Um, uh, shut up, boy. It is, we have, uh, as most of you know, we have a school here, uh, a private school, Bond Leadership Academy for boys and girls, grades 1 through 12. And on Friday, I teach an ethics class. And I really love that class. The kids love it a lot. Uh, we just finished reading Up From Slavery by uh, Booker T. Washington. Anybody here ever read that book? <laughs> oh, good. If you haven't read it, you owe it to yourself to read Up From Slavery. We just finished reading that. And uh, we started on a new book by him, Building Character, or Character Building. Something. And it's a little more mature, and it's really a good book we're starting on. And on Friday, the last day of the book, I asked the guys to write, uh, do a thing on gratitude. What are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? And so when we went to class this past Friday, I had them to read that in class. And they all were good, but there was one that stood out. This absolutely stood out for me. And it just reminded me of, I mean, how many adults go around paying attention to the moon? You don't bother to even look up nowadays, right? And uh, he reminded me of, reminded me of when I was growing up in Alabama. And I used to, as a kid, I paid attention to things like that. The sun, the moon. You know, had an appreciation for the little things like that, the animals and things like that. But by the time you turn a teenager or a little older, you're so traumatized by your parents that those simple things that we should be grateful for tend to fade away. You know, you forget about those things, and now you're worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, you know, the next opportunity, the next this, you're fighting with each other. You forget about that this, as he said, this beautiful earth that God has created for us. And whether we know it or not, when we come into that reality of God, when we come back to him, we do realize paradise on earth. And as kids, kids know that, but they soon forget because a lot of kids are spoiled nowadays at such an early age. They, um, they, they, they forget about God and they forget about things that they should be appreciated. So that was one of the reasons that I really appreciated that speech because it wasn't so selfish. It was, it was about what kids need to be thinking about. Yes, sir. The one thing I notice sometimes when I, I hang around, uh, talk to little kids, is that um, oftentimes when they're relaxed, they're very profound. Adults hate to hear what they have to say sometimes because it, it'll... it'll knock the wind out of you. Yeah, they remind you that you're wrong. <laughs> and adults do not like to be reminded. Christine, what did you think about You had your hand there? Oh, you, no. uh. Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, I homeschool, and um, the kids, it's good for them to get up in public speak and, yeah. and uh, be able to, you know, state what they're saying. But I find I'm around kids a lot, and they're more innocent. I tell my sons they're closer to God because they were in heaven. <laughs> They were angels, and then they came to earth a lot sooner than we, we were old now, and we're all corrupt and a yeah. big mess. But um, my older son especially, he'll call me on things sometimes, 
And I think it took me back when the first time he did it. I was like, what is he? You know, but he'll say things. Mom, you're clearly in, clearly in the wrong in this situation or whatever. And I, I kind of, I listen. Yeah. I do. Li it's important for me to listen. Yeah. I wish I, I did. I wish that it was possible that parents were not so traumatized that when children do come into the earth, when they bring kids into the earth, they can just watch over them in a the proper manner and not take that God personality away from them. That discovery that uh, they tend to live right now instead of worried about all that crazy stuff. I wish that parents were not so traumatized that because that they would not destroy the innocence of children because once you do, that's it. The world end up in chaos like we are today. You know, the ego come forth and we end up just fighting each other and carrying on. It's just so unfortunate. But for him to be 11, he said 11, right? 12. And still have that at 12 years old is mind-blowing. It really is. But that's the way it should be. And he doesn't mind working. You know, I'm sure you have these little kid moments when he doesn't want to work, but for the most part, he'll get up and work because he's been working all his life. You know, going with his mother and doing things and, and father, just busy. And so that's all he knows. And that's the way we're supposed to raise kids. It's so sad of what's happening. As a matter of fact, up in, I did a story on my weekend radio show up in Oakland, California, at the public school up there, they have this thing called post-traumatic stress disorder for children. They're saying these kids in the public schools are just, uh, you know, they're, they're tripping out right now. And also, they have to do lockdown at schools. These kids see killings around the schools and around their homes and their communities. And I'm thinking, wow, can you imagine being a child growing up like that? You know, you can't even go to school the one place you should be able to go and kind of have some fun and relax and learn, but even there, you can't go nowadays in the public school system. And you know the answer for it? More money, more programs, more this. They don't say, well, we got to rebuild families. We got to put fathers and mothers back together so that they can raise their children because it wasn't like this in, you know, 50 years ago, 30 years ago. It wasn't like this because families were together. And they say, oh, it's because of poverty. It's not because of poverty. It's because of the lack of character. I grew up, uh, as you know, on a plantation down in Alabama. Our bathroom was outdoors. We had an outdoors toilet. When it would rain, we had to put buckets on the floor because the water came right through the tin roof. Um, we uh, picked cotton and all that. And we, we were poor. I didn't know we were poor until somebody told me as an adult. But we were poor, but I didn't know it. But we didn't kill. School wasn't an unsafe place to go to. Um, and we didn't have all this. And we would have been considered to be in poverty. But because the family was around, mother and fathers together for the most part, grandparents around, no, uh, we respected the teachers, you know, I know you can see kids now fighting with teachers, the teachers fighting kids. It, it's, it's common now to turn on the TV and see a, a teacher, whether male or female, going at it in the classroom. I mean, literally fighting, fist fighting. I saw one guy knock a teacher flat out, just knock, knock her out in the classroom. 
And this is due to the lack of uh, parents at home. If they had fathers, this would not be happening, especially good fathers and mothers together. So we got to rebuild families, not more programs. And I would take my kids out of public schools if I were you guys. I, there's no way I would sacrifice my kid to a public school today. Find some good private school, home school, private school, or a good Christian school or something. Because it's a, it's a major risk to send your kids off. And the teachers are secretly teaching them stuff you may not even know about because they would say, don't tell the parents. And a lot of times the kids won't tell it. Right here, let me go right here. I tell my kids, I said, you guys, there's a price to pay. You have to be more isolated. I said, but the reason why I have you out of school is to protect you. And, you know, it, it seems like it would be fun to be out there playing with all these kids, and they understand that. All of them understand that. Yeah. Even yeah. this, the neighborhoods that look kind of decent, they still, their, their parents are irresponsible letting them watch whatever they're going to watch on TV. Yeah. They're drinking, they're doing whatever they're yeah. doing. And, and it's very unfortunate that it has to be that way, but parents have to step it up. They do. They really do. And it's not about us anymore. It's about these kids. Yeah. They didn't ask to be born. You know, we're sending them out there. and I, I, I don't think there's less, no greater joy than being married and raising good kids. That's it. There's no greater joy than that. You know? And it's that not should easy. be like a joy to do that. Yeah. And all you have to do is watch over them. You know, you don't have to really do a lot to you just stay out of their way, meaning don't try to teach them stuff, don't tell them when to walk, when to talk, how to act. You just be that example and they'll follow the lead. They'll naturally follow lead to that. It's not real difficult raising kids. It's only difficult to people who are stressed out and worried and trying to get all things and, you know, not getting along with others. That's when it's difficult. Uh, if you have peace of God in you, you, it wouldn't be difficult to raise children because God has already, he will work through you. It's kind of like Paul doing. I, don't, I can't imagine him being a, a difficult child to raise at this point. So if, if a child is wanted and loved, they're going to succeed whatever they do. And you made them feel wanted and loved by not trying to make them feel wanted and loved. So, and I say that because a lot of parents, especially mothers, they'll try to make their kids feel loved. So they're imposing their love on them and their will. And that messes up a kid, too. You want the love of God to shine through you because they'll be able to see it. And they'll live from that. They'll operate from that. Yes, ma'am. You were talking about the older days and how, you know, maybe school is safe and stuff like that. Yes. when I went to school, in like in 1969, there was like a big riot, and I saw the students rebelling on the teachers and coming to school with guns and rifles and coming to kill them yeah. because they were mistreated so bad from youngsters right. because of corporal punishment. And, you know, I've seen boys picked up by their sideburns down a couple of flight of stairs off the floor about two feet or so by two teachers, and I've seen them beat, and, you know, they've come back to beat the teachers, and it's gotten worse since. Where did you go to school? Denver, Colorado. Uh, that's the city, in the city? In the city. Yeah. I noticed that when I talked to people, and I noticed that the inner cities were worse than the country, you know, out in the south, like, 
uh, because when I would go up to Indiana, I went up there a couple of times to go to school. It, I remember in the 10th grade or 11th grade, I went to 11th grade, I went up to Indiana to go to Edison High School in Gary, Indiana. I couldn't handle that. I mean, fights every day, teachers were fighting, mm -hmm. and you have to fight on the bus, going to school and coming home. I would literally walk home in the deep snow to avoid fighting with the blacks and Mexicans on the bus. And so I told my grandmother, I want to come back home. And I went back home because you didn't have that down south. It seemed to be more in the inner cities. And I think because in the inner cities, they were relying on government more than parents. You know, they, they had those programs. They were all, most well, of them. Well, that's what I was going to mention, most too, of because them living a lot in of projects kids, and things like that. I'm sorry. They had parents. Right. They, and I thought they had good parents, but there was mostly mom and dads in those days. But they, you know, they gave the right, their rights over to the teachers to spank them. Yeah. Wow. Well, in Alabama, the teacher would spank us, too, with a, with a paddle or something if we got out of hand. I remember I got a, anybody ever been whooped with a paddle thing? Oh, a ruler or something? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember once they used to come and give us those shots every year, and I, I was afraid of needles. I was in, like, the fourth grade. And I didn't want to take a shot. You know, everybody got in line and person was there. And I was so afraid of a needle going inside my body that when it got to me, I refused to take it. <laughs> I was like, oh, crying and acting out. So they sent me down. Uh, uh, the teacher even tried to paddle me to make me do it, right? And I still wouldn't do it. So they sent me down the hall to the principal. And he paddled me too. And then sent me back. And then I took the shot. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, I made a fool out of myself. I could have taken the shot and not been embarrassed like that. But they did that too, but they weren't cruel with it, you know. I didn't, we didn't think of the, kid, the teachers as being cruel. But the public schools are out of control nowadays. It really, really is bad. I wouldn't take a risk with my kids. And I'm not just saying that because we have a private school, even though you can bring your kids to have a private school. But it's just the reality. If I could take all those kids out of the private schools, I mean public schools, I would. I really would. It's just, they don't have a chance now. They don't have a chance at home, and they don't have a chance at school. And the boys, because they're raised by their mothers, they hate women. You know, they're around grandma and auntie and mama all day long, and they're not patient with them, and so they hate women. And then they go to school, now the teachers are all female, the principals are, are female, the vice principals, of females, and so in the classroom, when the teacher tried to tell them to do something, they already had that hatred. They're not going to listen. They're really not going to listen. We got to bring back God's order. Fathers and mothers together working to guide the family. You know, we need male and female teachers in the school, not just female teachers all the time. It's just not the order of God. And I noticed with the liberal women out there, they are trying to learn how to raise children. They are going to different Counts, uh, conferences on family, how to raise children. They go to Oprah and talk to her about raising children. And the stuff that they read about and discuss in their conferences and meetings, men already know. Men already know that you're not supposed to will yourself on your children. Uh, they know that kids uh, just, you can be firm without being mad, and kids respect that. And these women are trying to learn how to do this, 
and they're trying to learn it without involving the man. They want to raise children without the man. You don't hear any talk about the fathers coming back and working with the mothers. It's just all about the women and themselves, and the men are left out. Have you ever noticed that? They all talk about how, just imagine all those women that get together with Oprah, and she were to say, you know, we got to bring God's order back. We got The fathers and mothers got to work together. We got to stop being mad at each other. We got to come back to God's order. Those women would go back to their men because they believe her and they would do what she said, but they don't encourage that at all. They want to learn how to raise children without men, and it's not going to work. It's really not going to work. You can't learn how to raise children by going to a conference. Because if your emotions are not in check, if you don't have the love of God operating through you, you're not going to have love to give to your children, whether you're male or female. If you have one order of anger inside of you, you can take all the conferences you want. But if you don't forgive so that you can be free and God work through you to love your kids, it's still not going to work. And these people don't talk about sin. They don't talk about repentance or anything like that. They try to learn how to do this without God's help or men's help. And that's pretty sad. I think it's just going to make things worse. God created man and woman. He didn't create it just man or just woman. There's an order there that we must come back to. Did you have your hand? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say one thing that people need to watch is raising kids with fear. Uh, but there's a way to watch them without and keep them out of stuff yeah. without being afraid of society or yeah. afraid of certain things that are going on out there because that is that comes through you. Yeah. Um, a lot of times that happens with, with women mostly, but I know they want to protect the kids, but they exude a certain amount of fear about what's out there in the world right. and it translates over to the kids. I have a whole, th- this country is becoming that way now. They're afraid of everything. You can't even play football now unless you like load it up. And then you can't hit each other that hard on the football field. I mean, it just, it, it is getting that way. It's weakening society. Whereas a father tend to just tell you, okay, you go up that tree, you're going to fall and break your neck. And they'll just let you go up there and break your neck. And, <laughs> and then you fall out of the tree and say, I told you not to climb the tree there. Or be careful, you know. But a mother would be like, oh, put on your helmet. Put on your, <laughs> put on your suit jacket. Put on this, wear some boots, and then climb the tree. I remember once I went to a party, and this was when a little kid was about four or five years old, I guess, to give or take. And the parents had him swimming in the pool, and they had uh, balloons on him. <laughs> they had balloons on the arms, on the legs, a helmet on, uh, and they were holding him while he was swimming. <laughs> I was like, leave that boy alone. <laughs> they were like walking around the pool, still holding him. I'm like, the balloon will hold him up. <laughs> that was the funniest thing I ever seen. It's funny how some funny things stay with you, huh? That was years ago. White people do that. White, oh, hold up for the mic before. White people do that, Jesse. They do? I see it all the time. Wow. I see it all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but white people do white that. White women or white men? Men also. Men, white men, men do that? too. I can't yes, see men do. doing that. Or Asian Unless men. Unless it was a girly man. 
Yes, I've seen it. Asian <laughs> men. <laughs> when we were swimming, we used to go down to the creek and go swimming. We never had an adult with us. We'd just go down and jump in the, in the creek. S snakes would be there and everything. No clothes. Right, because I didn't know about swimming trunk. I was embarrassed to say no clothes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but we would just jump in the creek and, and swim. We were never taught how to swim or no one worried about us swimming. No one put fear in us about swimming. We just went swimming. Yes, sir. Jesse, I just took a trip from uh, Orange County to come see you. Uh, it's a joy to, to, to see you in person. You gave wow, a, thank you. You gave a talk uh, last month down there with the old people when I was down there. Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful <laughs> area. Yes, but uh, you were that fellow. I, I remember that time uh, when I was a little boy and I had all those balloons and you were looking at me a lot. Oh, you had yeah, those on? That was me, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I think, uh, you know, I think there's been going on in the news in Hollywood the emasculization of men. Yes. This has been going on in the 50s, father yeah. knows best. However, he looks like a fool. And all these uh, programs that make men and fathers look like a fool. That's I think right. that's a conscious act that's been going on for it is. 60 years or so. It sure is. It's not an accident. It's planned that way. And the reason for it is because men represent Christ on earth. They do. Men are the spiritual head of the wives. And, and, and Eva understands that. So if you can put the light of the man out, then you can deceive the women and children, do whatever you want. That's why they go after the men. It, it, is, it is, is sad to see this happening, and you're helpless to the situation because it's happening all the time. The men are being pushed out, just kind of edged out, edged out. And poor men, they're so, not all, but most are so weak, they, don't, they won't stand up. You know, because if men fought back knowing that God is with us, it would not happen. But they're afraid of losing jobs or afraid of something. They are afraid. I'm glad to see you. I remember you now. Right. What's that area you call? Uh, Laguna, Laguna Woods. Village. Oh, yeah, Laguna yeah. Woods. <laughs> Laguna Woods is paradise on earth. It, yeah, that's an old people home uh, community. But it is paradise on earth. If I was going to retire like that, I would move to Laguna Woods, right down in the uh, Orange County area. Anybody ever, you been down there? Yeah. It is beautiful, huh? <laughs> it is paradise on earth. I love it down there. Um, anything else? I have a, a topic I want to deal with. Any questions on anything? About, anybody had a life this week? Nobody had a life? No ups and downs, no nothing. Oh, good. Oh, good. We're building a solid foundation, all right? Um, Pat, do you have your Bible with you? This is from Ecclesiasticus. Am I saying it right? No, that's the wrong one. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's in the... Uh, uh, King James Bible. It's in the Jewish Bible. No wonder Jews are smarter than us. They got the better part of the Bible. Uh, turn to that, Pat, 2421. And pronounce that word for me so people know what I'm talking about. 2421. It's Ecclesiasticus. Uh -huh. 
Right. Okay, 2421, read that. They who eat me will hunger for more. They who drink me will thirst for more. And that's all I want to know. That's my biblical question of the week. What is God talking about when he says that? You've heard that before? It may be somewhat like that in the regular Bible, too, in the Christian Bible. They who eat me will hunger for more, and they who drink me will thirst for more. That's the biblical question of the week. Anybody want to give it a shot right here? Hold on for the mic. She's new here. She doesn't know about the mic. So what I think is if you finally turn your life around and come to God, you're going to want to know more. You're going to want to be filled more with him. And be filled with him? What do you mean? With his love, with everything about him. You want, you'll want him more. Do you have that? I do. You I do? have that hunger you and do? that thirst. Absolutely. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Anybody else want to take a shot at that? You heard that before? Uh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Thinking that um, it's like when you hunger and thirst for the truth, it's n- nothing else can uh, it will take its place. You know what I mean? So, you, and you're surrounded by not non-truth. So when you do find the truth, it's like finding a glass of water in the desert. Yes. And you gulp it down, you know, and that's 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 the only thing you're you're interested in. I, in my, I, from my point of view, anyway. Are you at that point right now? Yeah. You are. Mm-hmm. Did you stop hating the liberals? You know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about that. I, I wasn't here last week, but like for two weeks, you know, I've been thinking about how, how much I don't like liberals. And, right. And I noticed that you talk, we're talking about hatred, and, and I, I saw that there's a, a, that it seems like fear and hatred have a, are like uh, related. Yes. And it's fear... Fear is the daughter of hatred. Right. The offspring. Right. And then fear comes from non, not being, uh, having no faith. Right. So you have no faith, which gives you fear, which leads to anger. And what, and in, in essence, you end up um, uh, worshiping the wrong God. Yes. You're tricked into worshiping the wrong God. Yeah. And so did you stop hating the liberals? <laughs> Uh, I'm starting to get angry at the uh, conservatives now. You are, <laughs> <laughs> and so you still you still angry at them or resent them? Uh, well, I don't know. It's it, yeah, I think I am. You know, yeah. um, how can you thirst? I mean, how can you love God the way you said and still uh, hate the liberals? I don't know. I don't think it could work that way. Right. So maybe you don't love God the way you said. Yeah. You're not thirsting after him. Yeah. Is that possible? It could be. No, no, no. You need, I, want, I, want, I don't want to put words in your mouth right. because I want you to know for yourself. Yeah. Not because I say so. Yeah. So why, why is it necessary to hate them? Uh, I don't know. If, uh, I think I just get frustrated with them. But that's what hatred is. You know, and um, I just see that... Uh, because I've been trying to get involved with these uh, Tea Party people. And they seem kind of weak and, you know, they don't seem strong. And they're like, being, they feel, I feel like they're being pushed around by the liberals. 
But so now you're judging the Tea Party people too. What? You you don't like nobody <laughs> or anyone. You're just going from group to group hating. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I'm... And as you're judging them, you're judged because because of your anger toward them, you're weak too. Yeah. You're not effective at all. Right. Well, you, just... you're not doing anything. You're just judging the group that are out there. Yeah, that's true. But um, had you thought about that? You're judging the Tea Party people because they're weak, but you're weak. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, like I don't, I don't think I hate them or, or, I just see them for what they are, you know. And I, I feel like you know, you know, I, I just feel like uh, there's in, not in any activity. Not there, people are too, you know, easy. So why don't you create some activity? I, I was. Thinking about that, I almost did uh, last week. I don't mean go out there and go to jail, but something. Yeah, I know else. that's why I stopped. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want, want that to happen, so I stopped. Yeah. What you? It. What were you thinking of doing? Uh, I was going to go to the uh, Mexican Mexican consulate. Oh. Ask them why they're holding that guy down in Mexico. Oh, you going to talk to them or protest? I was at a protest, and I was going to go talk to them. Uh, and what made you change your mind? Because they thought I was going to get arrested. Uh, you were afraid to go to jail. Well, I I thought that it wouldn't be I wouldn't be effective in what I was going to do. And so, because you have this hatred for others, Satan talked you out of it. Think so? Yeah, because you're not doing anything. Just as you say that the Tea Party people are not doing anything. Yeah. You notice that you could have taken a step and you didn't. Yeah, I know. I you know I thought about that too. Yeah, but you got to let your anger go. You must forgive. That's one thing you got to do if you want to be free to be effective in life because the battle is a spiritual battle between good and evil. Right. And you, in order to be effective, you got to let the anger go. Right. I really do want to be effective, too, right. more than anything. You know? Yeah, but you got to let the anger go because otherwise you're going to sit around and judge those people who are trying to do something. Right. You know, and you're going to say, oh, why don't they do this? And why don't they do that? You're just sitting back judging them not doing anything yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of people calling us, won't you do this? Won't you take on that cause or this cause? And Patrick and I was talking, look, we can't do everything. You got to do something yourself, too. Yeah. But and then if you mess up on it, they'll judge you for it. Right. You know, and, and so you got to let that go because you represent Christ on earth. Right. And you're just a weak Christ. Well, I thought if I went up there and did something, that, I, that everybody would just back up and I'd be standing there by myself like usual. So. But see, if you had this love for God, you wouldn't mind that. No, all right. Yeah, I guess because you would know that God is with you. Mm-hmm. And, and right now, Satan is your father. You listen to all his doubts. Well, if I have to stand, I got to stand by myself. God is with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Look how many people turn against Christ when it was time to put him on the cross. You know, they didn't all go and just fight for him or stood with him. They turned away from him. But God was with him. Mm-hmm. So why don't you let the anger go? I think I will. Do you know how? I'm not sure. So you don't know how? Uh, not, I guess no, I don't. You don't know how. You want to tell him how to let it go? Hold on for the mic. Because that's what the hang-up here. The reason the children of God are not winning, the families are broken, men are weak, because they have anger. They have anger. When you have anger, you have fear, 
if you bring on doubt, you, I can't do it alone, I can't do this, and all that kind of stuff. But you got to get over the anger, then we can start winning again. As long as you have that anger, you're not, all you're going to do is judge the little people who are trying to do something. And you won't even get in there to help them. I know people who have gone to rallies to help the ones who are trying to do it. And when they get to the rally, they sit back and judge the rally. They do. They sit back there and talk about everybody at the rally. That's how it worked because they have that anger. Yes. I just would, I think that uh, you have to acknowledge that it's there um, and, and see it that it's there and not want to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, practice being still or learn, learn to be still and, 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 and watch it and as it, uh, you know, begins to, to fade away. But uh, Have I, you overcome? Not all of my anger, no. Not, not all your anger yet? Why not? Uh, I think because, uh, you know, I have uh, some deep-rooted uh, anger that I, I'm yet to, to fully realize what's the source of it, you know? Um, and so... It's, it's, it's like, a, it, to me, it's, it's, it's a, a gradual uh, process of unfolding. It's a gradual process of unfolding. How many people feel that way? That anger is a gradual process of unfolding. No, not, not anger. I think that's the gradual process of unfolding. I, uh, that <laughs> character and, and uh, who you are is a gradual process of unfolding, not, not anger. But why have you let the anger go? Because well, you're not going to grow until that is gone. You know what? What I when I do sense it, you know, it, it seems like it's 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 deep. You know what I mean? It, se- it seems like that there's a part that's deep that hasn't fully come up, where I have this, ah, I know that I, I had this aha realization, and where it it's all completely gone. I just right. find myself being more patient, and, and, and really quickly, I say this very quickly. I took a job uh, that I did uh, 18 years ago, and in the, 18 years ago, I was I was I was a lot more angry. Now I'm doing the same job. And I find myself, I'm doing a lot different. I'm a lot more patient now with the people that I'm dealing with. So I know, I realize that I know that there's some growth. But there's still that, 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 that some deep anger that I, that I sense and I see it there, but I don't, I, it just has not left me for whatever right. reason. Oh, okay. I understand that too. That's really good. You say you have this anger that is a process? Oh, I'm sorry. Hold for my, it's my fault. I take responsibility. Yes. So I see, and I saw that I hated my parents, and I couldn't do anything about it. I tried, I tried, I said, you know, I can't do anything. And I really am to the point now where I finally have let it go. But it took time. I mean, I, I didn't so know So you how don't have any anger now? Not toward my parents anymore, thank who, God. Who do you hate God. now? <laughs> I don't know, I'll find you somebody. You went from the liberals to the tea party. I'll find somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> Who do you, who do you hate? Who are you angry at now? Who do you hate? Um, who do I hate? I don't know who I hate, Jesse. I'm sure there's somebody out there. The anger is just there. It's there. Oh, yeah, it's I there. know that it's there. Why do you think you won't just let it go? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes. If I had that answer. Uh, uh, so you don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, do you still have the anger? Uh, one moment. One moment. You still have it? I can't hear yeah. you. Yes. And why don't you just let it go? It's a lot easier said than done. What do you mean by that? 
Well, I was going to ask you. It's harder having it than it is not having it. Well, I've had it for so long. I, it's like a habit or something. I don't. I'm really having a hard time with it. You are. And what do you give me an example of what you mean <laughs> about a hard time with it? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I I just feel like you know me and my husband. Um, I I just feel like we're getting worse. Like he's got more anger. I've got more anger. And. Uh, uh, and I think maybe it's because I'm, you know, <clears throat> like I can't, like, if he does anything now or if I do anything that um, is upsetting in the slightest, yes. then we That's kind of explode. Is. Yeah. Because we're both trying to, well, I think he is too, like we're both trying to not be angry, but if we do one little thing, then it, it, Sets it off even worse. Right. Then, I, I mean, it, it's just like we explode on little things because we neither one of us want to do it, but. Well, that's how anger is because it is a spirit. The more you feed it, the more it controls you, and it gets to a point where it doesn't take but just a little bit to cause it to explode. Somebody who just look at you wrong and you go off because it's. You're constantly reacting to it, and you're giving it life instead of not reacting to it so it can die. It lives off your reaction or overreaction to situations. But the other thing, too, is that um, <clears throat> I'm trying to live, I mean, I'm trying to, um, you know, we're married, he's the Christ in the family, and then the woman, and then the kid. Right. And... And he is not on the same page with me at all. And so it That's makes it good. really hard. Hmm? That's good. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I'm sorry? I want, what do you mean? Because it seems terrible. But. Why do you want him on the same page as you? Um, because I feel like I guess we're not going to fight as much. If, if he's on the same page? Yeah. Why do you say that? But you guys are on the same page right now because you're both just going at it together. Right? I can't hear you. Yes. Right. Yes. And so you are on the same page. Why do you feel that he's not on the same page? Um, he, he doesn't want to talk about the um, Christian part, the, the godly part of <laughs> it or whatever. Why do you need that? Like, like, just, he won't read the Bible with me. He won't do anything Christianly. He doesn't come to church. He doesn't like you. Would you go to church with someone you don't like? Well, I don't like him either. I know. <laughs> That's why you come by yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why do you need him to go to church with you or read the Bible with you? I, I just feel like it's going to make it better or make our relationship easier maybe to fix. So you really believe that if you and your husband read the Bible together or went to church together, it would make life better? Not yes. true. That's not true. I know truckloads <clears throat> of folks who go to church together, and they, they fight like cats and dogs before they can get out of the church. And they read the Bible together, they praise the Lord together, 
and it's still not working. You don't need, it would be good, of course, if your husband, since he is your head, would uh, do those things, you know, try to be a better example if what you're saying is true, and I have to take your word at it. Uh, but since he's not, then God loves you too. You could start thinking of your husband and not of yourself. You know, you know that he would like to do the right thing. You know that, you know, you know him. So why not think of him that he's in this condition that he doesn't, not, that he doesn't know how to overcome? And why don't you think of him and stop thinking of you? And you'll show him love, which is God working through you, and maybe he'll come around. He'll get over that. But it's all about you and not about him. And, and if what you're saying is true, it seems to be all about him and not about you. It's all selfish ego love in there. Isn't that right? Yeah, that seems right. right. I can't hear you. Yes, it seems right. So why don't you drop your ego and think of your husband and not of yourself? And God will bless you greatly for that. You see that he's lost, if what you're saying is true. You see he's hurt. You see he's angry, so he's not happy. It's your husband. Why not think, Lord, you know, help me to help my husband? Or show me how to be patient with him? Or what can I do? Or should I back off from him? You know, you start thinking of him and not of yourself, you'll be fine. And I do that every once in a while. Like, so I guess I need to be consistent yes. in the praying. And the, yeah, you don't pray consistently? I haven't been consistently. Well, no wonder. <laughs> Suffer and die. It's really hard to not say anything to what myself. You, like, you know, the uh, be still and right. know. It, it's, it's, not, it's hard not to say something to yourself? Right. What do you mean? Tell me what you mean. I mean, like, I thought, you know, by the tape and the CD that we're just supposed to, you know, let the thoughts, don't, you know, let it go, don't you know, right. hold on to any of the thoughts, and just be still and know God and not have our little prayer. That, right. You know, so you're, like, sitting there, sitting there praying, and, and you're talking to yourself in your prayer? Well, what are you saying? Well, sometimes. What do you say to yourself? Like, Lord, have mercy. That old man, I'm praying. Like that, I hate my husband. Why are you praying? That right? Well, I don't pray that. I I didn't know that. <laughs> but but I, you say I've said that. that. You say that while you're praying, right? Well, I'll just say, please help me to you know understand him or help me to have the wisdom to you know. Okay, let me say this to you, you because of time. Uh, you're talking. To, that's not you talking. That's the devil talking. And you think that is you because he sounds like you. He's deceiving you. And he wants you to listen to that voice. He doesn't want you to sit still and hear the voiceless voice of God. He wants you to hear his voice. And he knows that when you give up like that and that God's voice is going to become apparent to you and he doesn't want you to have that. So that's why when you're sitting there praying, waiting upon God, he's telling you all this stuff all of your angers, all of your fights, all of everything to make you feel guilty, to judge you, or you judge yourself while you're sitting there. You sit there and let that pass. Don't, you know, it's not you. It just sounds like your voice, but it's not. And don't try to control it or anything. Just let it pass, and you'll be fine. Stay with it, and you will be fine because you, you will become familiar with the voice of God, which is a voiceless voice. So don't say anything. No. Don't pray. No. Because like you said, you don't know what we're to pray for anyway. Right. You don't. Okay. 
And you up, you up there saying, oh, Lord, please help me to do this, right? That's a selfish prayer. It's still not, it's still not about your husband. It's not about your son. It's still about you. And life is not about us. Well, sometimes they say, help me to help him or, you know. Well, be still. Him. Just ask God to let his will be done. Okay. That's all you need to know. Because you do not know what to ask for. And that's why it's not happening. But you've got to stay with the prayer. He wants you to pray without ceasing. He wants you to pray all day long, 24 hours a day. But you have to grow into that. And so take your eyes off your husband and look at yourself. You become that example. That makes sense? Yeah, it's just really hard. But I'll it's, uh, it's only hard because you're so prideful. That's why it's hard, because you are trying to be God. You're a prideful woman trying to be God, and that's why it's hard. But it's easy to let go. It's hard to hold on to. And and I know you want what's well. I know you. You want what's right, but you got to pray and stop being, you know, let that anger come up, but don't worry about it. It's not your husband's fault. It's your fault. And then your light will start shining. You can bless your family. All right? Okay. Will you try that? Yeah. You going to pray? Yes. You going to pray every day? Yes. You going <laughs> <laughs> like to... How many times you told that lie? I... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm urging you to do that, though. Yeah. Really. You don't need to be suffering like this. And you have a son to think of, too. I'm sure he's been affected by this. All right. And as far as your anger, the best way to overcome your anger is not having any ideas or anything about it. Don't. It's not a gradual thing unless you think it's a gradual thing to overcome. Whatever you think, that's what it will be. But if you have no thoughts about it, then God can come in and take it just like that. He took my anger away just like that. It was just gone because it's a spirit that's made a home inside of you. And he, if you let him, he'll just take it away and it'll be gone. But if you say, oh, this is a gradual thing. I know I got a little bit of anger. I hate my mom and dad. I don't hate my mother and father anymore, but I hate the cat and the dog. You know, all that is still ego uh, gratification, playing God. You don't know anything. You can't do anything. You got to grab hold of that. Of yourself, you know nothing, and you can do nothing. And God is in us, and he'll guide us. He, but Satan is guiding you otherwise. The worst thing you could do is struggle with this. You, you don't want to put any effort into it at all. Life is about allowing life to happen, not making life happen. That makes sense? Yes, Pat. There is a danger that I see all the time about us talking about these things. And as we talk about them, a lot of times it leads us to think about them in a yes. way that's not helpful. Because yeah. it's kind of paradoxical yeah. that, in a way, it's like a hands-off approach works, but we're talking about it a lot, and people are led to and think that because we're words. talking about it a lot, it yeah. means we have to kind of be all over it and no. doing stuff with it. Let go and let God. Um, and when God said, the more you, what did he say? The more you hear about me, the more you want. Oh, the more you eat me, 
the more you will want hunger for me, the more you drink, the more you will thirst for me. What's happening is, it's something that you can't even imagine. It really, you can't, if you have not experienced this, you have no idea what he means by that. It's like, it's an, it's, a, it's an awakening that comes and it blesses you and it shows you things that you, you've forgotten about. It shows you another life. And the more you get of that, the freer you become. And the freer you become, the more you want that. Because God wants us at a point where we have no relationship as far as wanting things or identifying with the world at all. And you will start to get to that point. The more you get to that point, the more you want that because he starts to cause that to happen for you. He doesn't want you to identify with anything but him. That's why he said, love me with all my heart, soul, your heart, soul, and might, and nothing else along with it. And so when you, uh, when you pray and let go, then he starts to reveal what he really means about that, mean about that. It's nothing that you can imagine. So some people say, oh, I read the Bible and I felt good today and the Lord gave me some money and I wanted a house and I went down the road and lo and behold, the house was right there. That is not it. <laughs> Even though that's good. But that is not what he's talking about. He wants you to not have any identity with anything else. No children, no husband, no wife. No material things, no job, no car, no feeling good about self, any of that stuff. He only wants you to love him because he wants to reveal it to you. He wants to take care of you. And, and the mind cannot comprehend. There are no words to express what that is like. You cannot find a word to express it. And as Pastor was saying, as we talk about it, Satan will use words against you about that. He'll, he'll, make you, he'll define it with definitions that you've learned from the world. And then you think you have it and you don't. Isn't that something? I'm telling you. But you've got to spend that time alone seeking him. You've got to spend that quiet time by yourself so that you can overcome this. Away from the TV, away from all this fancy stuff you're into. You've got to spend that time with him so he can start changing your relationship with your identities with the wrong things. And as long as you have anger in your heart, you never, ever, 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 ever going to get there. In order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must repent. You must be born again. And so that needs to happen, all right? Thank you for tuning in, and happy Memorial Day. Be safe this week. We need your tithe and offering. The address and information is on the screen there. Uh, be safe. Make sure you pray and forgive. Thank you, guys, and ladies, for coming. For more information, to purchase a copy of this program, or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call one 800 411 2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND. You're already home.
the ending.